what's transpired is what ultimately led me to this situation, basically because I spoke out about it. And I uh, attempted to to get to the truth behind the event. It has resulted in my, if you will, being a canceled priest. Father Jack Harrington, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jack. It's really it's good to be here. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. Father, if you can lead us, please. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So, Father, as one, I mean, when we first met, we were at the Conference of Canceled Priests, or for Canceled Priests, and wanted to ask you, you know, well, tell us, why were you canceled? What led to this in your life? Uh, and give us a little bit of background about your life as a priest. Well, John, that may take up a lot of the interview because as you saw probably from the bullet chronology, which I sent to you, uh, it go it it goes way back to the nineteen late nineteen eighties when I was attending St. John's Seminary for the first time, and um, I had a um, uh, an experience with a nice experience I should say I experienced a sexual overture by the academic dean. The name is public. His name is Father Jack Farrell because I, as you see from the the bio, I did. I did file a canon law case and civil law case. In any event, what happened, what transpired, what's transpired is what ultimately led me to this situation, basically because I spoke out about it. And I uh, attempted to, to get to the truth behind the event. And um, um, it has resulted in my, if you will, being a canceled priest. And I, I guess what I should say is that it was at St. John's Seminary from 1988 to 1991. The sexual overture by the by the, the academic dean occurred in 88. Um, it was reported to the rector and eventually reported to Cardinal Law via a priest from Canada. You probably saw from the Bola chronology, it actually was the father, Kevin McKenna, who was substituting for a priest who at St. John's Calvary, who incidentally was 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 had been arrested and put in jail for arresting boys. And uh, uh, we just I had gone to Boston College as the Jesuit College, and we just, you know, we started talking, and one thing led to another. He knew my uncle, who might actually gone up there to visit. And after telling him this, he said, Does the kind of law? I said, No, he, I don't think he does, because the rector didn't prefer not to go any further. And so we ended up, I should say, he ended up writing a letter to Cardinal Law with my assistance in the Cardinal did get it. And when I returned to the seminary in the fall of 89, I met with his auxiliary bishop Banks and we discussed the letter. And I was somewhat indirectly reprimanded by auxiliary bishop Banks because I didn't keep it within the diocese, you know, because I told Father McKenna and he wrote, but, uh, it was a very um, appropriate act by Father McKenna because of what was going on in Canada at the time. He, he had told me, he says, you know, he should know that we are going through our own, uh, right now, quasi-sexual scandal. This was the late, again, late 80s. He said the Bishop of St. John's, I think his name was Haypenny, I seem to recall. Some 
is about to tender his resignation because he didn't address it. So it was kind of a, a forewarning to kind of law to clean up if there was any abuse going on in the seminary of a sexual predation, he should address it. It could happen to him. Well, he didn't really address it. And a little over 10 years later, he ended up resigning, as you, as you know, it's, uh, sadly, you know, in disgrace for letting the, the homosexual behavior of priests get out of hand. So, you know, John, very quickly, I mean, I left the seminary um, in 91. Had something to do with that because he was still there teaching. And um, um, I decided just to, you know, to take some time off. It wasn't the only reason. I still needed some time. I think he discerned. Well, I did discern and ended up coming back. And when I reapplied to St. John's a little over 10 years later, because I left in 91, I applied actually in 2002, I wasn't accepted. And kind of law, of course, was still there. He he had not, you know, he had the whole abuse scale had not come out. And they didn't want me back, is what it turned out. The the it's actually John, my case is somewhat read out of Michael Rose's book, The Goodbye Good Man, where he talks about the um the um uh the, the priest makers, vocation directors, the um directors, uh, formation advisors, if you will, that were entertaining or had thoughts of re-envisioning the church or re-envisioning the priesthood. And um, I think my reporting, one of those re-envisionings of the priesthood is, of course, the issue of homosexuality, which, you know, as we speak, we know what's going on in Germany with the citadel way of the bishops. They're trying to get, um, if you will, uh, the one of the things in favor of the blessing of same-sex sex marriages, we know about James, Father James Martin was a great advocate with the LGBTQ, you know, movement and particular Catholics and in indirectly endorsing that, you know, in, that, that behavior, which is same-sex marriage, saying, I think he even said it's a sacred act. And um, so I think when I afforded the academic dean, which nothing came of it, it was clear to them I didn't share that vision and they didn't want me back. So they sent me to a rogue psychologist. And he did a job on it was based on just interviews and he just misrepresented me in the interviews. He just uh, such that they had they they couldn't accept me. He just maligned me, just did, wrote things that I didn't say to him. And uh, so I was rejected at St. John's. And that would have been again in 2002. Unfortunately, I applied to Fall River Diocese shortly after that, and Cardinal O'Malley, President Cardinal, was actually the bishop of Fall River, he accepted me. I went to this psychologist, no problems, and they sent me to Mount St. Mary's, where I did my seminary studies from 2002 to 2004, and I was ordained in 2004 by, by Bishop Coleman, who succeeded O'Malley when O'Malley was sent to Palm Beach uh, in, in Florida. So, John, I can go on with this because that's not that's the genesis that ultimately would lead to my being canceled priest. I'll try to be very quick with it then, and you can go from there. But six um, six months after my ordination in June of two thousand four, a 
gay priest in the Diocese of Fall River, who would happen to just happen to be a very close friend, student of the priest I had reported, Father Jack Farrell, the academic dean, back in 1988, um, was a good friend of his and uh, as a student, and subsequently after that, keeping in touch with him, I know that from actually a relative of one of those priests, and um, it was a pay. I think it was just a, an outright payback. He, what he did. Sorry, she's doing it. He fabricated an allegation about me that said some woman had accused me of stalking her son. And um, I discussed that. I just in the in the narrative I gave you. That's that's amply, which I know that you had a chance to read. That's amply, um, you know, uh, discussed with you know detail. Discussed with detail and. Uh, it simply turned out to be, it was a total fabrication, but it, I had to go through, jump through a lot of hoops. I'm talking about, I may have filed a civil action on this. The judge was very sympathetic to me and we would, it was a defamation case. And and he, with the, with the actual assistance of my pastor, who was actually the vicar general of the diocese at the time, but they were very close friends. Um, uh, his name is John Perry. John, John, I don't believe was a gay priest at all. I guess he was a very close friend of Father Costello, but he was part of the whole sort of um, attempt to to um, uh, make make that allegation stick, if you will. I had to get affidavits from the woman herself, you know, from her, her sister signed up. I gave. I think you. I think you've seen all these documents, John. So I could let you. I don't want to go on and on, but. What how this resulted is I spoke up about it. They wouldn't tell me the name of the person who had told them that I had stalked this this young man. They they were just it was it told it turned out to be just a total fabrication. And Monsignor Perry knew it was. I learned that from him later. <laughs> he told me that it was actually the priest. So why engage in it? I don't know, but. I wanted to get to the truth of this thing, and the bishop got upset at me. He just wanted me to drop it. And I said, well, I will. Then he said, I want you to go to a psychologist. I said, why? Because he says, you spoke out to the Christians about it, which I did, but, you know, briefly. And he got upset. I said, well, I'll tell you, I will. I'll go. I have nothing to hide. Um, but even though I'd been, I had been dealt a bad hand by the psychologist in Boston, I said, oh, I mean, I'll go, but I said, I, I'd like you to tell me the truth, to acknowledge that Costello fabricated this thing. It took me a while to get to that, to prove that he had, but the bishop wouldn't do that. And he got upset at me, and just took me out of the parish and sent me to a, basically to the priest hostel, where eventually I filed a can of lawsuit. It was after that that he took me out of the hostel, because I, I was trying to get to the truth of this thing through the, through the church. Initially through the church, through the canonical process, they didn't get me anywhere, though, because the bishop and the judicial vicar had coincided with this priest. Coleman came with, from within the diocese. He had built up a network of friends. Explains why the church often selects bishops or priests outside the diocese. They're going to appoint a bishop because they know that. But he did, and so eventually just... He evicted me from the diocese. In fact, I, I, I can't wear blacks in public, but I can wear them in my own home. So that's why, that's why I have them on today, you know? So, uh, but uh, 
So, John, what it boils down to is I persisted in trying to get to the truth of this thing. And as it turned out, remarkably, astonishingly, actually, is that what I learned from going through the civil process, the, the, the justices helped me a great deal. I mean, they, the justice at the Devon Superior Court said it is undisputed that Harrington never stalked the Williams boy, uh, the Graham boy, I'm sorry, his name is Graham, but his mother remarries Williams, the Graham boy, that the statements when made by both defendants were um, harmful and uh, scandalous and devastating to the plaintiff's, you know, reputation. So he, she, in the memorandum decision in order, he, but she said, you missed the statute <laughs> because I tried to solve it in the church and three years had expired. But we took, we could, we thought we trump, we could trump it. Well, we, we didn't trump it. But it also ended up going to, we, we appealed it. We lost the appeal through the one. But then we went, then the Supreme Court of Massachusetts heard the case, which we hadn't requested. They actually contacted us, my lawyer, and they wanted to hear it. And it was at that hearing that Justice Gant, G-E-A-N-T, who subsequently became the Chief Justice of the Massachusetts Supreme Court, I think around 2018, he said at the hearing, for everyone here, he says, he was framed. And I didn't really know what, when he said that, it was then that I began to say, I think I know now what one of the relatives of the young man said to me way at the beginning, when I got the letter, I got, got the affidavit signed by his mother and, and uh, his sister. And when he said, why, it, when he indirectly, this person indirectly said to me, why are they using this book, Jake Graham, to go after you? That's what he was telling me. But it was, I mean, he, he said, why are they going after you? I didn't know what he I didn't know what this person meant. But Justice Gant said they then it came because in the narrative you read, it's very evident in that narrative that young man who was a junior in a ninth and tenth confirmation program did not want to be confirmed. Sadly, he just made he if you will, he said a number of falsehoods. And uh, it was only then I concluded he was actually trying to be used to set me up to make it look like I was shocking him, which which is a very malicious thing to do. And I have no doubt in my mind that's exactly why he was in the, because he, he ended up dropping out of the program under false pretenses, you know, not because of me, but allegedly because of me, but it wasn't that at all. It was simply because he it was he might be he might be confirmed. So, right. So, Father, tell us, tell us how long were you an active priest? Well, good John, just a little over a year. The Dane in June two thousand four, and he withdrew me in two thousand five. So you can you know you can add that up. I mean, I've been I've been an inactive priest now since two thousand uh, November two thousand five. That's will be eighteen years this November. Hey, my friends, now is the time to stand up and fight. We are just about to have the Synod on Synodality, and everything that you've seen indicates that it's going to be an absolute disaster. We have Father James Martin as a personal appointee of the Pope speaking at it. We've got Cardinal Supic, Cardinal Tobin. These picks of the Pope to engage in this Synod are indicative of where we're going. 
We're going into heresy. And at these times of great crisis, the church, especially those called in the laity to work for the glory of Christ and his church, are called to gather and strategize. Back in 2014, LifeSite launched something called Rome Life Forum. It was a gathering at that point of some 75 life and family leaders from all around the world to strategize as to what we could do. And when we gathered, the majority of people were most concerned about what? About Pope Francis, about what was going on in Rome. But this was 2014, but the life and family leaders saw it first. Now, a decade on, we are confronted with some of the most severe challenges the church has ever faced. And so our tradition at LifeSite is to continue with Rome Life Forum, which has continued every year until we had to take a break over COVID because we weren't permitted, but we're starting it up again. Please come, if you feel so called, to Rome, October 31st and November 1st, the very end of the Synod on Synodality, and uh, we'll be there to strategize with His Eminence, with His Excellency, and with many life and family leaders from around the world. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston, and may God bless you. Your, um, this fellow at the seminary that uh, approached you and so on, what's become of him? He's deceased now, is he? Nothing. He was still the academic dean and teacher at the seminary after kind of law got this information, this letter from Ian after I spoke with. In fact, when I spoke with Bishop Banks, who represented kind of O'Malley to get in his letter, he said to me, all right, so I have a gay priest in my hands. What am I to do about it? That's what he said to me. And I said, I remember saying, I said, well, you know, a man should be able to come in here, a candidate for priesthood and discern his vocation to priesthood without being, you know, without being subjected to sexual harassment or sexual overtures by a faculty member. And, he's, and he didn't say anything. And, um, but the fact is, Nothing happened to him to my knowledge because next year, which would have been 80, would have been, I met him in 80, fall of 89 after my first year in 89, 90, that I was teaching patristics and I had him for patristics and he was there the next year. So law didn't really do much about it. Um, and what's become of him now? He's just retired. He's, he's retired. Yeah. Member of the, you know, the archdiocese. Yeah. I, I haven't heard much really about him, you know. Right, with but retired without any sanction, without uh, any penalty whatsoever. No, actually, John, you should know this by now yourself that it's usually the person that speaks up and exposes this stuff. Of course, that's one of the themes of Rose's book, right? If a seminarian, or even if you know, in case of some priest, if they speak up, they give they witness something and particularly if it's the homo lobby the homosexual current you know which is you know bishop began to use the word current in the church they run the risk of being uh, you know of uh, being subjected to reprisals by priests in the diocese i mean i think that's one of the you know the so um that's what happens and that's exactly what happened to me i mean i of course did i think that was going to happen at the time no but my goodness it's I've never so, been accused in my life. I'm not even suspended, actually. I just my my faculties are thrown because I didn't go to psychologist. That's why I'm not suspended. I haven't committed right. any time. Right. So, Father, you're able to celebrate uh, masses privately for yourself. That, uh, that's right. Your, that's right. Your own yeah. home or whatever. 
Yeah, yeah, which I will do actually after this interview. I'll celebrate Mass today for I think it's St. Clair's feast day. It is indeed. Yeah. So how do you then live out your life? Because I mean this this happened to you so soon after ordination. Yeah. Um and uh, were you in a parish? You were an associate pastor or something like that for, for that year? Well, I mean, I was, I, was the, I was the parochial vicar. My pastor was the vicar general. So he was, I think, four days a week. He was actually serving vicar general at, at the at the, at the um, chancery. So, I mean, I was just, you know, fulfilling my duties as a, as a you know, as a daily priest. Often, I mean, I, you know, my, I regularly visited the hospital, um, um, I had to cover the hospital two, day, two days a week. So we covered that and visited every Catholic patient in the hospital. I used to give a talk at the um, at the it's a halfway house for um, addicts, men, male addicts in um, Miller House in um, in Falmouth, Woods Hole section of Falmouth. I gave a talk there once a month. They'd at one of the guys that was actually a parishioner used to come to Mass and he asked me, so I did that, which I enjoyed very much. I also, um, you know, I had a, uh, we had a youth mass going at Saturday youth mass music and the rest for the high school kids. We took a ski trip. We, um, I played hockey at Boston College. So I played hockey in high school and, um, I coached high school hockey when I was a teacher. And, um, and, uh, so, you know, we had, we had a little hockey get together one night with, with the local rank. And, uh, you know, in addition to just, you know, visit, visiting a lot, you know, the Sunday where I was one of the, the nursing homes, actually the nursing homes, they use, there's about three of them in Falmouth. So I visit, you know, visit the nursing homes. I mean, you know, doing, I, re, I really enjoyed being a priest. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I did it. And uh, um, I miss it immensely. It's been very, very difficult. I mean, not being back in ministry, I just... But what has happened since you know, the pursuit, I've gotten to a truth I never never thought I wouldn't get to. And that is an attempt by some nefarious forces, malicious forces, probably connected to the whole homosexual covenant in the church, being that the guy that fabricated is Costello, who was subsequently five, six years later after this, and two, uh, this would have been again 2005 when it occurred, 2012, he was removed from his parish because of a because of an immoral relationship with a young man, for which he was arrested <laughs> for actually uh, in, when he was well, his pastor in a parish in Seacott. When I was in seminary, I was reading a book by Henry Nowen. He talked about a nuclear man, you know, and people who grew up in the. 1980s were kind of formed by that immediate and constant threat of nuclear annihilation. My generation has grown up, you know, under the specter of priestly sexual abuse. What say you, Mr. Person? Is the defendant guilty or not guilty? I think that for many of us, that has also been all-encompassing. You know, I mean, I entered the seminary in January of 2004, and it's basically been there for me from in the beginning. And, and remind us again, he was the sort of former student friend of... Yes. Yeah. 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 A very, but he also attended, again, I won't remember this person's name, but I 
is a relative of one of the two of them. I, I, I have the person's name. I talk with him. He was actually used to attend parties. Family used to have parties, priest parties. When he was a, um, when I think actually, actually, I think he also when he was a teacher, but also as a priest. And Costello used to go to those parties. So he's in. Farrell was an active homosexual, and 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 Cosello again was arrested, as I just said, in, in 2012. Relationship with the young man, actually, they, I, from what I've learned, is a male prostitute who's paying money for it. So, so at that point, when he got arrested, was there then any kind of redress toward you, like any opportunity for you to say, "Wait a minute, that's the same guy who charged me falsely. You knew it was a false charge." Now that guy is arrested for homosexual encounters. Now you're not going to do anything with me? What happened then? John, actually, worse than that, he was actually set. And this is tragic. He was murdered, actually, himself. Because after that occurred with that young man, in, in, um, it was in um, Seacock, as I say, Massachusetts, right on the border of Rhode Island. He was, he retired. He, he said, step down, but nothing. I mean, he wasn't stripped of his faculties like me, you know, wasn't taking his clerics and, you know, to take his clerics off. He just retired quietly, but he apparently had a place in Padre Island, Texas. And I learned this about five years ago, I think, if I'm right, there was a, uh, from a priest. I bumped into him. I found a family, actually, his father, uh, I could discuss he works at Nationalist, Nationalist, National Bioethics Institute in um, in Pennsylvania. Um, I forget his first name actually now, but in any event, um, he said he had just learned that he was actually, his body was found. And it looks, um, again, about five years ago. So even after that, he said to me, the priest said, you know, that should, you know, that might help, you know, and that he was a troubled and priest. And I says, well, it, John, actually, the, we have come close a couple of times to getting back into ministry. I was very fortunate to have the my canon lawyer began the vicar general of the diocese about four or five years ago. And he, as my canon lawyer, but even as vicar general, he was trying to help me get back. He wanted me to be his assistant. His name was Father Richard Wilson. And the the vicar of clergy, Father Dave Pignata, and also there's a woman they had hired, bishop, current bishop, Father Dupont. Uh, to Cunha, who was an auxiliary in Newark, he's been bishop here now for about five years. All three of them, and you know, they were familiar with my case. Oh, the one that was, I'm sorry, the woman had been hired, it was a legal background, it's a director of priest accountability and uh, professional standards. She had gone to my face and father, you know, you, 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 you have not gotten justice. We're going to meet with the bishop, three of us with you, and try to get you back. Well, the bishop canceled the meeting. This, this would have been about a little over a year ago. Just canceled it. Because I think he knew those three supported me. And all we were asking for, and they all agreed, was an acknowledgement that Costello had fabricated this allegation against me. He wouldn't do that. Neither would Coleman. Again, protecting, you know, protecting the priest. Now, your question is why? And again, as you know, it's pretty common behavior within it's becoming more common in the church to protect well we know like the whole scandal you know one of the reasons for the scandal way back i mean lala talks about this in his book the um the faithful departed the class of boston culture phil lala was the editor of the newspaper i mean phil wrote a few letters to me trying to help him with this you know he just you know there's basically the three problems that, that led to the 
well, with the, with the scandal, in retrospect, he says, you know, they, the three things that have occurred. One is that there was a young young men, adolescents, were uh, uh, the priests molested a number of boys. They were primarily adolescent boys. And the other one is the complicity of the bishops. He says the bishop accepted the first two, you know, predation of, of boys by homosexual priests, but they they've never acknowledged their own responsibility or their own sort of part in that scandal. And it was largely because many were just, were just like in Boston and why did they? They were moving what these priests are different. A lot did it with Gagan, and he did it also with the two biggest offenders, Gagan and also Paul Shanley. They were moved to different parishes. And Law, who came in in '84, he knew their record. <laughs> you know, he came in, he knew their record in the in the '70s, '80s, and Chris Law, you know, was there from '84 to 2002 when he resigned. But he was moving them to different places, and they were still committing it. So, um, anyhow, John, but John. Anyhow, yeah, I'll, I'll let you ask a question. I'm sorry, I want to go on to. Yeah, no, that's it's just stunning that even after this is shown, proven, and then the very accuser himself gets embroiled in what he was trying to pretend you were accused of, uh, and then ends up killed or whatever, and still no redress. Um, that's just mind-boggling. What what can what can people do now? Right, right now, what you're doing, actually, my, you know, Church Militant, if you watch that Vortex, they recommended to Rachel just for some context, historical sort of um, information, is that you know, what I want right now, and I've been asking for, and actually, Father Wilson, who's no longer the general, he's back in the past, but Father Vignato is, is, is the bigger clergy. Unfortunately, the woman resigned, left the, left the diocese. A nice, nice woman, very capable. Um, and Father David Grievous said, there should be, there should have been, even under Coleman, but especially now Bishop Bacunia, there should be an investigation as to who used this minor, who himself actually went on to, sadly, again, he went on to get into some big time trouble himself. Uh, a couple of years after this, he ended up getting arrested and breaking into a home and beating up the homeowner. And he, has, he was sent to prison. He's lucky he only got a mile. He, he was only sentenced to scare him, but he could have got a, a sentence of 17, I think, at the time. It was in the newspaper. But the point is, um, there should be, should have been done, and that's why I'm trying to get this out, an investigation as to the forces that used this kid, this, this young man, to try to set me up for stalking. I mean, John, by the grace of God, I just did everything by the book. Because what a what a what a king got what it was. Why is he trying to set me out? Well, they get a great deal on this thing. The key was actually the key was actually asking a favor of me, indirectly asking a favor of me, and um, to you read the narrative, John. I don't know if I want to go into it, but let me just suffice. There should be an investigation into this. I mean, either it should be the state or even a federal, because some very powerful forces used him to do this. And that's what Justice Gant was saying, that they framed him. Now, they, he didn't say, but um, with the aid of a gay priest, Father, Father Costello, 
with his aid. I mean, he's the one that fabricated his allegations. The woman, the woman never did. I get. I had to get. A, I told you an affidavit. An affidavit to prove, you know, she that he had lied. But even then, Coma wouldn't acknowledge that he had lied. That's the whole point. But the point is, the reason I'm, I fought it, John, is this should be addressed because if it, the likelihood, it happened to me. The likelihood, it's going to happen. It could happen to other priests. And you know, some of the stuff that we're reading about in the, you know, reading about in the newspapers now about the. The whole, and I don't think this, I'd like to see the FBI look at this, really. But, you know, the whole idea of, you know, Kyle Seraph came out, that former, you know, FBI special agent who got that uh, trans, uh, got the uh, whistleblower contacting him about this, uh, this analyst, FBI analyst in Virginia, I think it was, that he was recommending that the FBI develop a network of Catholic informants, in particular, to sort of indirectly spy on these radical traditional Catholics, what they call, you know, these, uh, to see if they demonstrate any radical, what is it, motivated violent extremism because they, they believe there might be some sort of relationship between them and, you know, with the white supremacists and what have you and uh, your skinheads. So, I mean, to spy on fellow Catholics. So there's some thing here. I think it is something to do with the, some powerful people. I think it's the got someone forces, dark forces were able to, to actually use this young man with permission, would be permission from, from the mother. But with the understanding of this, you know, BC John, you know what's going on here? I believe this. This is an attempt by these Shadowy forces, dark forces, which could be could be found out, I believe, to who exploiting the whole clergy sexual abuse scandal. Hence, people are very. I see people. Well, you know, the 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 the, the, um, the, the population um, are, you know, after the whole abuse scandal, um, they're, you know, they don't want that to happen again, and they don't want the priests. We have to win back our trust. So. Um, they're wary of that. So you make an accusation about a priest like me, you know, people are going to initially believe it. So that's why I had to go through the whole thing to, you know, to, to prove it wasn't, wasn't true. But it's never been acknowledged by Coleman, who's now long a bishop, but, but the current bishop as well. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Final question for your father. Um, what is this life of suffering like? Because it is a life of suffering. You were called to the holy priesthood and uh, you were denied to live it for most of the time now. And, uh, what has that been like for you? Well, you know, John, I think if anything has confirmed, I, I, that's a really good question. And it's asked by someone that, you know, has a good prayer life, which I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do, John. 
And uh, because, you know, without a prayer life, you can't sustain this. Even in even in your work, I mean, you can't sustain something like this. I mean, it's a, I think if anything proved that I do have a vocation, this is amazing. It's kind of ironic. Because some people would say, well, Jesus, why didn't you just leave? Why would you want to stay a part of this institution if they tolerate this sort of abuse, if you will, right? I said, well, I didn't go in because of any man or woman to, to please them. I went in because I believed in my heart God was calling me. And you know, you read the bio. I mean, I took 10 years off, not thinking. And I had a great job. I loved being a principal, assistant principal of high school. So hockey ranked right behind it. <laughs> so I mean, I went in because God's call was still there. And little did I know this was, I mean, this was ever going to happen to me. But I've, I believe, and it has been hard. You know, John, God sustained me. By the grace of God sustained me. And um, I've had a lot of people help me with this. But what I'm having difficulty, I'm trying to get now, is like you're doing with me, which I'm grateful to you for, John, is to tell about this and possibly move the bishop to do an investigation on this, to find out who was behind this. I mean, People say, well, it's like someone, I say, well, I says, look, someone tries to assassinate you. They fail. Do you just say, well, they failed to so just go on with your life? No, no. You're going to find out who it was so they don't do it again next time, right? Because the next time they might get you. And by the grace of God, you read the narrative. They could have had me on stuff like this because he wanted, this young man wanted me to do something that would that he could use to say, there's an example of why he can stock and why he's stocking me. But I did I didn't do it because I just said I'm a former hockey coach, teacher, principal, never been accused of my life. I knew who I am. So I fought it. For instance, one quick anecdote. When my pastor, the very general of the diocese, said to me, Oh, I just got a call from Father Costello telling me that the mother, she remarried her name is Williams, saying that the mother with his, the mother took her son Jake out of the program and transferring him into Costello's church because you were stalking him. So I simply said, Really? I says, Well, have you spoken to the mother? He says, No, I haven't. I says, Why not? And he said, Because I thought she might go to the police or to the newspapers. Now, what was that? He was trying to intimidate me. You know, here I am, a 48 year old guy. Now he goes, I've been a principal teacher. I worked as a, you know, New York City. I've worked as a stock fraud. Am I going to be intimidated by something like that if it's a lie? Of course not. So he says, well, John, if you don't call, I'm going to get someone else to. Well, we eventually did, but only if they basically keep reminding him. And he said, she never accused me. He says, really? She, I'm not surprised. So he says, well, why Costello tell you that? That was the that, that was how it decided. Then I went to see him. And then it was a series of lies. You get it now? But so I, the more they lied, the more I said, well, you know, there's something going on here, and I need to find it out, and I just want the truth. So it won't happen again. And I, by the grace of God, it took years. But, John, I wa- I've been wanting to get that. But I also want to get this done. I feel God wants me to get this done, expose it. So it won't happen to another. But you know, also, it's hurting the church. That's what this is all about. I mean, they they want to run. They what are these these homosexual mafia, if you will? You know what they want. They want to run the church, or they want to, you know, they want that. And that's Rose's point. That's why they that's why they were denying Orthodox seminarians, right? Re envisioning the priesthood for the new American church. 
So if you are, you know, if you if you're not um, willing to compromise those orthodox views of yours, you're not going to get in. But in my case, they Boston didn't want me back. When I tried to go back, they didn't want me back because they know it would tolerate that in the seminary. But then they went a step further with Costello accusing me. That's when I fought back, you know. So anyhow, John. So John, wow. thank you. You know, of course, prayers are what help, but John, thank you for this uh thank you for this time to talk to you. I really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I guess for four thirty six, I guess is only about a four. Yeah, yeah. Well, God bless you, Father. Thank you so much for remaining faithful despite all the persecution you've suffered. It is and really, yeah. a, it's a call within the call to um, to suffer in this way. And um, I think, God willing, enough people will contact the diocese and uh, they'll get something going. So God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.